Hey, this is Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast, the podcast where Bitcoiners get high and shoot the shit. Sorry, I haven't been here for about two weeks. Family and I got COVID. You know how it goes. Sickness, throwing up, fever. Anyway, today Dan and I have a great conversation with ourselves, talking about the impending doom of the food crisis, famine, energy crisis, all that fun stuff, and also some other topics about memories and our Bitcoin backstory. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, fertilizer, it's too expensive. It makes the whole operation that they're doing too expensive. There's no profit for them. So that, it breaks down, yeah. Right. And then there's no planting in Ukraine right now because of the war. I mean, they can't plant. There's going to be no planting. So we haven't even felt really the effects yet. But there's a global grain shortage and there's a global fertilizer shortage. The fertilizer shortage is a bigger long term problem because that's going to affect yields and that's when crops collapse. And that's how you get famine. So we've already got food riots in Iran right now. We've already got food riots in Sri Lanka right now. It's starting in the Middle East, uh, different countries uh, like Lebanon is collapsed in the Middle East. There's still inflation going on in Turkey etc etc hey everybody this is the high hash rate podcast i'm mike and i'm dan and this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about bitcoin life and the absurdity of the fiat world our guests don't necessarily get high with us and you don't have to either but it helps uh let's hit it today it's me and dan just me and dan you're gonna get to know mike a little bit more because yeah, you get... in the conference. and myself, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're just going to talk about us. We're going to shoot the shit back and forth. There's no guest today. Oh my gosh. You know, it, you know, there's actually more weight on that situation. How so? Because more here, here's the deal. Energy. Here's, here's what I've come to come to grips with is that I think I'm, you know, sort of the, the way I see this podcast is like, I'll like inter, inter chime in with some bullshit, you know, it's just cutting off, <laughs> cutting off some kind of circulation between one topic and another. But uh, I'll just come in every once in a while with some, you're like, something you're I like, find. You're like, on, you're like on Joe Rogan. You're like, if, you're like Brian Redband, but like not as uh, cringe. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I, I'll take it as yeah, well. Yeah, people, well, people who listen to the Joe Rogan podcast in the beginning, they, they know who Redband is. Redband was like, he was the co-host, essentially. It's, he was never officially the co-host like you are on this, but he was the co-host for years. But he was also the, the producer, the guy who, uh, you know, back in 2009, you know, the podcast software and like how they were streaming it on Ustream. That was, uh, you know, it took a lot more expertise. Nowadays, you've got a lot of software that assists you. And if you have talent, you can create it. But these guys were the pioneers. But, and you know, so Redband was the reason the Joe Rogan podcast was even possible. Uh, he was uh, the one who made it get through probably the first several years. Um, they had, would have had no tech and Joe Rogan wouldn't be able to do it. But uh, because Red Band was like a forever child, he was like super immature. Uh, he could never, when the, he could scale with the podcast. They, they were starting to get really big guests on and he, Red Band was more embarrassment. And you're not that. So I just wanted to say the cringe part, that's not you. You are the glue. Well, I hope I could stick with the podcast if it gets too big. Yeah. Just you know, just I hope I can me. hold on. Just don't embarrass me in front of Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> that's what that's what he kind of did on, on Rogan. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody. Well, here this goes. is my, my lovely wife. Sorry. <laughs> on high hash she just rate. Came, she just came through the, oh, look the, how great the you pot look. curtain. 
great. Look how great you look. Honestly. A tired mother looks great. She looks great. With all the leaves behind me. Careful how much this, careful this how much information you share with, with the public. Yeah. This, this is Dan. Dan. Hi, nice yeah. to meet you, Dan. You as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> you see, uh, this is the perfect way to meet. And that isn't it? And not a father yeah, right. drinking LaCroix and a father <laughs> drinking chamomile <laughs> tea <laughs> at night. <laughs> We're, we're... It's right here. Bye, guys. All right, take there. Take take care. Take there. Take there. Take care. Uh, yes, everybody, that was my wife, my lovely, lovely wife. Can we leave that light on, by the way? Because I, I think my lighting is much better with it on. Do you want the foot massage as well? <laughs> That's right. You say yes to that. Don't say yeah, yes. yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh shit what were we speaking about i have three topics Anyways. tonight by the way right, oh yeah uh, the, the guy the start. one guy okay yeah yeah we're, oh, yeah anyway right. I, so, that's my, so I all that wanted, to lead was, into this hold on hold on hold on i just want to say uh, it started with uh, that's my position then what i do is i have you guys you and the talent this is why it's harder that's what i was saying is heavier when there's only just you two or, or us two is because the talent that comes on they, you guys have a back and forth, and I just sort of step out and sort of observe. So it becomes more weighty when it's just you and me. That's what I'm saying. All right. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that now. So, well, now that you bring that up, you haven't told me, uh, or at least I was too high to remember, uh, you're kind of like your back, your Bitcoin story, your Orange Pill story. Oh, Dan. So you want to know my Bitcoin story? <laughs> I do, actually, yes. Uh, do you have, do you have a series? No, do you, are you, it's not that long of a story. It's a very simple, you know what it is? You know what it was? Uh, I was impressionable and I was just out of college. So it was easy to attach myself to something. You've been, or so you've been, you've been a Bitcoiner for. A I'm class of 217. 2017. Oh, okay. I oh, that's right. I forget you I'm were class in of 2017. Too, so I, like when you got out of college was not as long ago as I was thinking in my head. No, I'm not that old. I get it. Uh, I get it now. But yeah, I'm kind of yeah. old. But um, no, so you're old I, enough where if you would have gotten out of college, and, and gone like the normal path, that would have been you would have been an early. You would have been one yes. Of the early yeah. Right. Yeah, I did not. Me yeah, too. Exactly. Me too. So, uh, yeah, it started with a friend telling me about it. I was in college. After the military, friend told me about it in 2000. Where did you go to college? Where did you go to school? 13. Um, no, he, shit, he told me about it in 2012. Wow, very early. Uh, I went to I went to college. I went to college right. <laughs> uh, at uh, SUNY Purchase College. Okay. I went to SUNY Purchase College in in Westchester, New York. Okay, so yeah, I went there for film, the... for a film degree. So what's what's the city university system like? I've I've never even I've heard it, of them, but I haven't actually been on a campus uh, or in that environment. I I've been to New York City, but like I was younger, it was, um, you know, the tourist spots. Like I didn't I was I was an experienced New York, like real New York. So I, I'm curious what that was like being what that was like living there. I've never lived in a place like that. I didn't live in the city. I lived outside of the city. Okay. I lived in a suburb of New York City. And it's a pleasant, it was a pleasant old American experience. <laughs> like, okay. I okay. went to baseball games. I fucking yeah. ate. 
hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you're eating hot dogs and you're watching baseball and you're in this suburb city college and you're, you're hearing yeah. about, and my, about Bitcoin. And my weirdo film friend who had always had the conspiracy theory, like he, he's a perfect Bitcoiner and I don't know how he's not a Bitcoiner. Like kind of guy. Ninja. He's like Ninja. Yeah, but he's exactly, but he is, he doesn't Bitcoin. So, oh, that's yeah. yeah. He has all the qualities, but he has a big sort of leftist narrative eating sure, at him. Sure. So anyway, um, I mean, he's a New Yorker. It's like most New Yorkers are like like old school New Yorkers, right? Yeah, they got that socialist like that old yeah. like, grandpa looked like, or their dad looked like Bernie Sanders. And but like, he's you know Brooklyn he's College or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, no, actually not that way. But yes, uh, <laughs> so so he was always underground, always knew about underground shit. And he told me about this thing called Bitcoin where you can transact with other people and get drugs on the internet. And so I was like, great, that's interesting. Um, and then I dismissed it like everyone else. And then 2017 came, Brecky, who, right. who uh, him and I went to film school, another film school <laughs> together. Where, where was that? Where was that? The American Film Institute in Los Angeles. Right. And we will, we, uh, he was getting really into crypto, all the shit coins. And he, I just didn't, under, I kept hearing about it. And I was like, yeah. fuck, I need to make some money. And I watched, this is what did it. I, I watched banking on Bitcoin. Okay. And I, and I didn't immediately get it, but, and I shit coined for quite a while. And in, in fact, like about three weeks before this lunar crash, Luna crash, mm -hmm. I sold my last ethereum products all of it oh yeah so that's how late i've been shitcoining until now anyway that's my my Say, beautiful uh hail satoshis and uh, exactly thank you for being honest and accept your contrition there there is uh, a a religiousness that you feel after you know the closer yeah, you course. get to bitcoin right yeah I, i'm the last person you got to convince of that narrative yeah um interesting so when did you decide, I mean, you were, you know, we won't, we can go into as much of your background as you want, but you've done some cool projects, some interesting projects, uh, worked with interesting artists, interesting people. What made you decide to come to, uh, to work on Bitcoin to, for me, <laughs> to make that your full-time job? Um, I, you know what, it just seemed like easier, first of all, but it's just seemed like Look, all the shit coining, you're like constantly seeing what is what. You're trying to understand something there. You're trying to get an angle. You're trying to reap right, a little exactly. bit of free, you know, right. free money for yourself from this whole little you you if scheme. You sum it down, right? You are it's arrogance. You think that you're more clever. That's correct. The system than it, that you've got you've got the ability to read the charts, see the trends, and you know, or you think you know what's going to go up and what's going to go down and you're chasing that and you think that you've got that advantage and you're going to wreck the noobs. You're going to, you're going to be the guy that gets in early sells at the top. So yeah, you're, you're Icarus, right? You're flying and you're trying to get Icarus. as as possible well said. Without, without, without crashing. Right. All right. So that's, that's what some people go. It's like the route some people take. That's the, they justify it. Right. And, the, yeah. and those are like the, the, the Bitcoiners, right? Like they, some of them or some of them, are self-proclaimed Bitcoiners. And then they justify it by saying they're taking their winnings and they're 
saving it in Bitcoin, right? Like that kind of gives you the justification. Like I know I should only be in Bitcoin. I know my friends are telling me, right? Like, but I, I see this Cardano and I see this, uh, you know, these, these, these different really good brand marketing teams, right? They, they say, hey, this is going to be the next big thing. And you're like, I know that's bullshit, but everybody else falls for this shit too. Everybody else is susceptible to this marketing. So if I found about it early, I can get in, I can make a little bit of money, boom, get out, right? And you justify, you know, that's wrong. You know, you're scheming. But you say I'm gonna, but I'm just gonna save. I'm gonna make money in Bitcoin. So That's it, yeah, worth it, right? And if you go on the space, this is my story for sure. Spaces, right? They, yeah. they fucking talk about this constantly, over and over. I've heard the story a thousand times. So, yeah, it's so to boil it down, it's arrogance. But as many people do, that's what you first did when you got into the crypto world, right? Yeah, and you yeah, you yeah. you can't understand what it is to be a Bitcoiner. I think without going through that cycle, at least, no. Well. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that there are probably some Bitcoiners out there, or at least many that will chime in on Twitter to tell you that they never bought another shitcoin. I don't know how much that is posed or, you know, just posturing, but some, I would say some people don't, uh, they've never done it. Um, but I would say the majority, if they don't, they're at least very much tempted to do it so they can understand. Fine. Can that, understand okay. Here, the here's, urge, right? here's the difference is someone who goes through a, a life of crime and then turns to Jesus as opposed to someone who's born yeah, with, son, with, with a family. Son. Right. Right. Born uh, like, family like, going to seen, church you, all the time. Have you, have you read, have you read brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky? Yeah, Definitely not. Hell, the three brothers, I, the three I brothers, wish I had. Like, one of them's the captain of the army. The guy, he's a womanizer. He's the prodigal son. He's coming back. And I, the youngest one, he's the, he's the pious, the, he's going to be a monk. He's never shit coined. He's always done what, you know, he was told Bitcoin's the way he's fallen that he's, he's buried his nose and knew it the whole time. The other one, he's out flandering. He's dipping his dick in every fucking gambling, uh, shitcoin casino he can find. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Like that's the, that's the analogy. I get it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So, so you decided to, that you're like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make this my full-time job because I'm done with the, I'm done with the scheming. It just seemed exciting to do. It seemed like the, everything, right, it right. turned into, it turned into like a gravity for me, which I talk about a lot. There's yeah, things, yeah. things having gravity. I think about it in spherical forms. So I just think about these, like we're all just these spheres and, or we're attached to these spheres of gravity, right? Right. So if there's a, this Bitcoin thing is just pulling, pulling, pulling me in and it just keeps screaming at me. And all this other stuff is like noise, noise, right. noise. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason that it captured your attention so dramatically that you change your light. So you, you, there's signal, right? You're just kind of you're like a moth, right? Like the lights. You're just you, you're going to the light, right? You're whatever is you're something's drawing you in, and instead of resisting it, you're going for it, mm -hmm. and that's how you get to where you're at now, essentially. It's also a, a, this gambling. What is the gambling? It's that how can I stay in the casino, the shitcoin casino long enough right? and make the most and then get out? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Am I, if, if I was that clever, why wouldn't I already be there? Yeah. Why wouldn't I already be the rich guy, right? Why I'm, I'm not like a 19-year-old prodigy. I'm, you know, closer to 40 than I am 30. <laughs> if I was that fucking clever, it would have happened by now. I'm not that clever. I got lucky because everybody was making money. It was a bull run. The money, they're printing trillions of dollars, right? So it's a lot of people got 
in the past two years got really, really caught up in thinking they've been this pattern of like what they were expecting was coming true. They felt like they were right. They're making money. There's not, there's no downside. There's no down effects. Yeah. COVID's raging, but I'm making money. I'm outsmarting everybody else. They're out wearing masks, fucking getting 17 vaccinations. They're idiots. I'm out here making money. I'm going to be set up. No, I'm always right. Everything I do turns to gold. Right. And then it peaked a few months ago. Yeah. And now everybody's taking their medicine. There's yeah. no free lunches anymore. There's no yeah. free liquidity. There's no free stocks. The markets are crashing and we're coming face to face with reality and reality is scarcity. And the scarcity is being felt most uh, strongly in food prices and uh, energy prices. There's a war, you know, war yeah, yeah. the other side of the world that's causing lots of problems. We don't have to go into that, but everybody knows about it. And so that's scarcity. There's riots everywhere, food riots, uh, gas prices in Europe, natural gas prices are... I haven't checked in a while, but they were almost quadruple in terms of natural gas prices than they were for us on the East coast in the United States and the Jersey area and uh, Massachusetts area. They've got, they're almost out of natural gas uh, because they've had certain regulations. There's stuff on the West coast too. So they're running into scarcity problems and you've got, um, you know, Africa's a powder keg at this point, unfortunately, at least certain sparks like Egypt and the middle East and North Africa. And then you've got, Excuse me, I gotta these I drink these LaCroix, but there's like the, the LaCroix. It's all that all the bubbles. I keep, LaCroix. Uh, keep yeah, but anyway, so you've got all these issues. And you got the famine coming. And you're hundred no percent convinced that a famine is coming. I it's already started. If you look in Sri Lanka, uh, they have announced they're out of petroleum. Uh, they've had riots for the past three weeks. The government is about to collapse. They're out of food because they don't have fertilizer because they don't have fertilizer because there's a shortage of fertilizer in the whole world because the fertilizer comes out of Russia, which is not selling because the boycotts and it comes out of, I think, I think there's some that comes out of the Ukraine area too, but mostly it's Russia. So this war has disrupted that. Um, I, when I fertilize my lawn um, every year in the spring and in the fall, the bag of fertilizer I use was usually about $20, $25. Um, this year it was almost 80. So at that point, even if the farmers can get fertilizer, it's too expensive. It makes the whole operation that they're doing too expensive. There's no profit for them. So they, it they breaks down. Yeah. Right. And then there's no planting in Ukraine right now because of the war. I mean, they can't plant. There's going to be no planting. So we haven't even felt really the effects yet, but there's a global grain shortage and there's a global fertilizer shortage. The fertilizer shortage is a bigger long-term problem because that's going to affect yields and that's when crops collapse and that's how you get famine. So we've already got food riots in Iran right now. Okay, we've already got okay. food riots in Sri Lanka right now. It's starting in the Middle East. Uh, different countries uh, like Lebanon is collapsed in the Middle East. There's still inflation going on in Turkey, et cetera, et cetera. It hasn't even started yet. In the next few months, we're going to start to really, really see the effects of the food shortages. And China's got a lot of problems. There's they've got so many problems that there's conspiracy theories that these shutdowns, complete shutdowns of the city of Shanghai, like five times bigger than New York City, um, they're welding people into their apartments because, and the, the conspiracy theory is that they say it's COVID, but there's food shortages, there's energy shortages, and this is some sort of an attempt to dampen demand. They've closed the factories. They're trying to create a global recession. They call it the softish landing by the Fed. But it's essentially a recession. They're trying to raise rates. They're trying to bring everything down because demand got so hot. That's what's causing all this inflation. So just like in 2008, 
if you paid attention, food prices, energy prices started riots, started not famines at that time, but it led to the food prices and the food uh, shortages that led to the Arab Spring all throughout Tunisia, Qatar, or Bahrain, uh, Egypt, other parts of the Middle East, Iran. Iran almost was almost, uh, there's almost a revolution there. And it's worse now. And it hasn't even started. Uh, gas prices are not quite as high as they were in 2008, but they could get there at any point this summer. Um, so you're looking at a, an apocalyptic scenario. That's what it kind of feels like. And you're looking at something that's, so that's drastically different than what our reality is. Right. So that right, it's, so, so, it's like to bring it back. Yeah. To bring it back. These are problems of scarcity. And we've lived in this post 2008 world. There's no scarcity. Oil, at, I think it, when it collapsed in 2014, the price did. You're talking about oil that was going down to like potentially the teens, like a couple, like $17, $18. It did briefly get below or negative after COVID, but that was like a liquidity and like supply shock uh, or lack of storage shock. Sure. That wasn't like a legit, that wasn't a reflection of the cost of energy. Right. But in 2014, the price, I mean, everybody thought that we were post-scarcity. I mean, there were people, there, there was a term that people said post-scarcity, like we can engineer our future. We can have anything. We can have clean energy. We can have everything with no trade-offs. We have all this liquidity. There's no inflation. We, we just keep rates this low. We're pumping every the stock market's going up. It's going to go on forever. It started to break in 2019. The Fed kind of pivoted on their monetary policy and then boom, COVID hits. And then the rest is history. So we're hitting this point of scarcity. We're running into this wall of weak. We cannot arrogantly engineer our future without respecting the laws of physics. And I say this very, and I say this, yeah, exactly. Laws of physics. So I say God, I don't mean God, like in the sky, he's talking to you. He's punishing us. I mean, the forces that we can't, that maybe we can measure. We've got classes in colleges and they, we got physicists and they're studying it. Those mechanisms, those forces in place. When I, that's what I mean when I say God. We're we're hit. We're running into that wall, and people are having to respect, um, yeah, the laws of nature. So, what? Yeah, that, that's a, that by the way, that, that, that's a much more distributed God, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's there's different type. Like there's the God of the Mojave Desert, right? If you were to go back a few thousand years, they would have their own God, the Sun God, because the Mojave Desert, the heat, that punishing sun that was what affected your life you mm -hmm. had to adjust for that you the sun would scorch you the sun would dry up your land you wouldn't be able to plant you had to be near a river because that was the most powerful thing in your world so that mm -hmm. was the god right mm -hmm. like everything you did had to be respecting that mm -hmm. if you go down to the jungles they've got mm -hmm. the animals the leopards the lions like those are the gods it's more of a uh, you know you got monotheism where you've got this deism in some of these jungle places right because you can't just let your kid run out in the jungle because he might get eaten by a panther like those are the forces that you have to adjust your world around that's your gods so what of our gods i would say a lot of people would say our god is money but i think we're learning that our god is energy mm, now mm, mm -hmm. and we are limited as a species at this point in time by energy and wow. we're running out of energy and we're running out of energy energy is god right now the like the the, the spring of eternal like the spring of hope or the, the spring of life whatever we're looking for some some people think it's oil a lot of people think it's nuclear 
whatever it doesn't matter energy is in any form is what rules the roost right now and to get back to the original point the shit going casino the gambling that was like a symptom of this eternal we can just keep spinning off new schemes new businesses it doesn't matter everything goes up and now that's not the case so to bring it back it's like you want a piece of a valuable property that's scarce um and it is i don't call bitcoin digital energy i know that's a controversial thing that people argue on online but it is a it is connected to, it is tethered to God, by, which is energy. So follow, follow Bitcoin, save Bitcoin, accumulate Bitcoin, and be a good custodian of it because that is, that's the perfect money. That, so how you're going to navigate this next 10 years, I don't know. Everybody's different but I don't want to do it without Bitcoin. I don't want to walk through the valley of shadow of death the next few years without him being with me, without my Bitcoin in my cold storage with me. Walk through the shadow of <laughs> Take a look at my life, real life. That's how, that, so that's how I feel about it. To put it simply. I know, that's really well said, man. Like, that's like a, some Bible oh, stuff right there. And I don't want to think, I don't want people to think this is like some Christian show. It's not at all. I just. But I you start to see the values of, you know, I never appreciated Christianity yeah, and, until I right. got into Bitcoin. And I'm well, a Jew and, by the, by trade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't, I'm not here to preach. I don't, the only reason I use that as a reference point is because I grew up that, you know, in, in, in rural Michigan, well, you know, near Ann Arbor, it wasn't that rural, but it was wasn't a city and it fun like a religious conservative background that was grained into my head and i know that people who come from that type of background if i start making that's how i talk that's how i orange build people like if i if i can speak their language at a very fundamental values-based level and make these comparisons it makes the most sense to me to do it that way i don't mean to uh be some this is not a bible th obviously this is like look behind me pop this is not a bible thumping thing i just wanted to clear that up it's not it's not a religious podcast it's just i make those references because i think it's broadly understood who are Maybe you controversial but broadly understood would you be concerned if this was a religious podcast i don't i'm not the type of person i don't think it would become that way because i'm not really that type of person Mm. I don't think through that lens. I think I, through the, maybe the symbols and the memes, but I don't think through the lens of what is my spirituality. Other well, I think it ties. I, in, I don't shitcoin and sin. You know, I think it's it in other ways. <laughs> I think it ties completely into Bitcoin being this sort of spiritual religious thing. You know, it's yeah, it can be. Like we worship. We it's something to worship, as you've sort of pointed out, right? I would. I've thought about this a lot and I would, I hesitate to use those type of words mm. because unless I'm talking to somebody who properly under, we probably understand what those words mean to us because to me, for here's an example, mm -hmm. when you pray, some people think that you're praying 
just a god, whatever that means to you. They think you're, but to, to make it really simple, it it's pro, or it's commonly understood as like a, a one-sided conversation to an eternal being who may or may not be there listening, may mm-hmm. not may or may not care. In my opinion, it's like meditation for Buddhists. You're simply externalizing and putting out into the universe the most important things to you your family the health of your loved ones what you want to do what your future is going to be like how your children are going to um you know handle their first day of you know at school anything that's what people typically pray about they're external they're collecting their thoughts saying them out loud and redoing that on a day-to-day basis and reinforcing their values by speaking them out loud mm-hmm. off or, or, or thinking, you know, when you can, when you're thinking about, like, you're not just thinking about ideas, you're, you're specifically thinking like you're, you hear yourself talking in your head, they're doing, that's what they're doing. So when I say, when, when we say worship, I don't mean worse, like getting down on your knees and thinking you're, you know, bow down to, to, well, that, to that Satoshi becomes, or Bitcoin, right? Yeah, but that's true. Yeah. yeah. But your actions if all you're doing is Bitcoin all day, learning more, listening to podcasts, reading, coding, trying to build the network, that's a, could be could be understood by people who have that background to be a type of worship. Hmm. And I would say, hmm. yeah, for sure, as long as we we got those definitions laid out. I like that. I like that sort of way of thinking about it. It's, you know, uh, it's like, it's one of the things they talk about in the little um, Protestant evangelical communities um, is that they always say, this is a common one. They say, live your life as an example for Christ, which means you claim to be a Christian, um, but you live, you know, you're, you're just going to the bar, you're smoking cigarettes, doing drugs, philandering, like you're not living the example, right? So people see you and they're like, well, why would I? want to be like him and follow his path because he's just a deadbeat and so i and i had a tweet it did really well before i had a bigger account even but it was like you know if you're a bitcoiner and you're very outspoken about it are what how are you living your life what example are you showing because your your orange pilling isn't boiled down to what the conversations you're having with an old buddy from college, right? Like every day that you live your life, people who know that you do this, they're, they're paying attention. And if you're fucking up, you're, you're shit coining, you're trading, you're losing all your money in the, <clears throat> on Coinbase. Cause you, you put everything into lunar, Luna, whatever. Um, people see that and they're like, he's just a fucking degenerate gambler. He's like, there's being a Bitcoin is not special. So think you got to think about that. Maybe you don't care, but everybody's watching you and if you're not if you're nothing if you're not doing anything special and your life's not getting any better and you're not striving uh striving to grow well other people take notice and it, it affects their opinion not just of you but it does affect their opinion of bitcoin too you have to think about that there is this righteousness that i sort of started to feel the more and more i gave all that other crap away you know more and more i more, sold it more of a less guilt yeah yeah less, like uh less stress well less risk yeah risk the risk rest risk I, right like i, I stepped out of the risk you know that's what it yeah. felt like 
uh, totally right. Like, well, I agree. Like, that may sound crazy to, um, to a, a money manager that to say that I put everything in Bitcoin, I stepped out of the risk. But yeah, that's how I feel. I feel the same way. But yeah, so that's your Bitcoin background story. Do you have any like? Is there any other highlights of that? No, it's just watching that movie and just growing and growing. You know, I think that's how it happens. You just grow through it. Right. And if someone just adapts it, adopts it first, just takes it on, learns about it, takes it on. It's just sort of, I've heard a few stories like this. Like to just go straight into it and doesn't shitcoin. Um, I feel like uh, I've sort of been, I've gone through the, the whole motions of why it's important to be a Bitcoiner and to not shitcoin because I understand what it is to shitcoin. You know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. So, so there's something, there's a, there's an extra layer of understanding there, I think. Right. You, and I, if you're I born, totally agree with that. In go, my opinion, some people are, are like, you know, all shitcoiners are evil or they're bad people. And I, and I, I'm not one to be that judgmental, but I like to say that if you're, if you legitimately think that you're, you're finding this technology and you're wrong, the technology you found is bullshit. The only blockchain that matters is Bitcoin, but you're a noob. You're not necessarily that technically savvy. You think you found that and you're, you're buying stuff. What, what, that's stupid. You're not going to make any money. I don't advise it, but I wouldn't call you evil. But if you are in the game and you're buying shit coins because you think you're smarter than everybody else and you're going to find a way to dump these uh, coins into some bag holders uh, bag and, and they're going to be the ones left when it goes to zero. That is what I would categorize as a sin. Uh, that's the bad kind of shit coining. I would try to help the other person and say, Hey, don't do this. It's a waste of money. If you ever, ever want to know why I, my phone is, or my door is open, come talk to me and I will tell you why not to shit coin. But if I try to talk to somebody like, fuck you, man, I'm boomer, you're boomer coin. I'm going to go make some money. Well, have fun getting wrecked. Have fun sure. staying poor. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not wasting my time with you. Those, that's the difference. And it's also, you start to think about how, what you will pass on in your life, right? What will your you legacy? Yeah, what legacy will you leave behind? And will you leave behind a legacy of someone who lost, as you said earlier on an earlier episode, lost your money to some Jim Bob, you know, or something, something like that? Uh, Dieter, uh, Dieter, Dieter Bob, Bob. Yeah. A, like, uh, or a, a in a scam a, or something, a scammer because you were the trying real to the real Dieter Bob, love him or hate him, he's not a scammer. <laughs> he is Dieter Bob is so if I had to Dieter Bob is the there's so many reasons to hate the guy he's super fucking annoying but he's genuinely a hardcore dedicated pious Bitcoiner and when it comes down to the to the block size wars or the the, the shitcoin wars or the fiat versus Bitcoin wars he's on the, he's on our side and maybe we load him into the catapult and launch him in and he and hope he berserks his way out maybe he doesn't but we're he's on our team and we're going to fight with him, you know, and that's, that's who he is. But if you got, if you got scammed by him, like in like one of those, Hey, I got the DM, how's your trade going type things. Mm -hmm. Dude, that would be embarrassing. And it's only because you're, you're not up with it. You have to be aware of what's going on. You have to know about yeah, Bitcoin take, and you have to hold it. We take a lot for granted. This is a, it, Bitcoin is, very complex 
not just technologically, not just the code, but the, the way it interacts with the physical realm, the way that it reacts with, or uh, yeah, the way it interacts with humans, with markets, everything. It's very complex. And it, I mean, I'm pretty much obsessed with this. All I do this is what I get paid to do, not this podcast, but to work with Bitcoin, right? Like I, I still am a, don't fucking, I feel very unconfident that I know almost anything about it. It's just so deep. So imagine what it's like when you're just some random noob, right? We've all been there, but maybe we forget what it was like. We take for granted how complex it is. You gotta, sure. don't try to, don't try to orange pill somebody all in one conversation. Yeah. 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 Seed, plant the so, seed. Uh, yeah I've, I think I've gotten better about that, about sort of sure. easing into stuff and Everybody's easing out of better. it. I there, don't, there I don't is a level of proselytize. Yeah. I don't evangelize just to random people. If somebody, a lot of people will express interest in me. And I, I also warn everyone. I warn everyone that I'm, I tend to talk about this a lot. So yeah. Right. You know, you, so just be careful about how much you're asking right. questions about it. Um, so it made me, so can we go back to one thought I had is that, um, who you're going to give your, who you're going to give your Bitcoin to, like who you're going to leave it behind to. Yeah. Your legacy. I had, I had this thought. I was putting my son to sleep and I, you know, I like a full, not like a headlock. Like <laughs> get to, Oh, okay. Laying I was down. putting my two-year-old son to sleep. Yeah. And I, and finally he, you know, it took forever to get to sleep, but finally, you know, he finally fucking goes to bed and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him after a hard night, you know, I'm a little high <laughs> and, uh, I'm saying to myself, I look at this kid two-year-old kid and i say this is who i'm going to give my bitcoin to this is it this person in front of me is who i'm giving my bitcoin to this is how i think about it so that's no that's that is a it was just an interesting moment you know it's a really interesting moment uh and you know it's i have a story that's kind of weird but one of my old co-workers i got him into well i thought i got him into bitcoin right but this guy's uh he, I think he's a big time shit coiner. I think he spent a lot of money on, on that stuff, but he, and he still does. And I don't know why. And I tried over and over to talk about it, but he, he's just convinced that, and he's like a really soft-spoken, like really nice guy. He's not a schemer. He's not a trader. He doesn't trade. He's like a hodler of like stuff that you have no business hodling. Cardano is one of the big ones. I think he's got a lot anyways, but he buys Bitcoin for his son and he's got it in cold storage, his, 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 his infant son. And I don't, there's some psychology there. I don't know what it is, but he, for some reason he's buying this other stuff, but for his son, he bought Bitcoin. So I, I guess that's a great a campaign that's a, right there. That's a, that's kind of a compromise <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to scold the guy like, Hey man, you, you're, you're throwing your money away, but you put your, your son in a position to have a good future. So can I, can I do that ad read right now? Yeah, exactly. It's a hey, Bitcoin magazine. For, you want to hear this one <laughs> for your loved ones? Buy Bitcoin <laughs> for the ones close to you. Buy Bitcoin. It's like a sort of De Beers, com- you know, a diamond yeah. commercial or something. Anyway, sorry, derail all, all for derailing, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I guess. All right, I just went, we just had to dig into your history a little bit. I just wanted to hear that story, and it was good. It has a good conversation, but I wanted you said you had some topics you wanted to maybe get into tonight. So. You said you had something major on your mind. 
that hit you like oh, no. fireball. You know, you're like, yeah. I gotta get this. Thought, yeah, but maybe that's for don't, something. Don't, yeah, don't build it up so much because I don't want I don't want to disappoint everybody. But it's not that big of a thing. I was really fucking stoned when I was excited when I was thinking about it. But whatever. No, it's no. Best moments, so, isn't it? It's so really, guess, you know, the idea is that exciting. Sorry. Right now, so I guess it started a few weeks ago. I don't. It wasn't even like a big account. Somebody was talking about how the ratings for Tucker Carlson and Fox News are so high, um, and it's it's really popular even among left-leaning people, Democrats, like self-proclaimed Democrats, it's the most popular news show or whatever you want to call it at night. So whether you like Fox News, that doesn't really matter. Um, the argument was, are they chasing the ratings or are the ratings coming in because of what their content that they're deciding to put out? And so that was the debate. And I sided with um, the side that Fox is chasing that audience they are putting out stuff that they correctly identify as being very very populist or very very popular right now and so i i anyways i i saw that i thought about that for a few days didn't connect much more to it and then last night i saw for those of you who aren't paying attention the the white house added or they they changed out press secretaries they put in a new press secretary. I don't know if she's a press secretary or just works for the press secretary, but she's the one that does the briefings every day now. Um, and she's awful. I mean, they, they, they tout her as being the, you know, as the first woman of color to be press secretary. Right. So like, it's this big to do, um, but she's just, that she can't answer any questions. It's mm -hmm. terrible. She, it's like a, it's like an open book. Like she's got all the ants. They, it's almost like they know exactly what some of those guys are going to ask. Um, and, or at least they can get it pretty close. And she's got the answers written down there for the questions that they're asking. And she's trying to read them and she's just flipping through her pages, man. It's like, imagine like you're, you're doing an open book test and like the teacher's coming over, he's looking over your shoulder and he's like, all right, look at this one. What, where, where's that one in the lessons we learned? Right. And you, you remember the lesson from like two weeks ago, but like you're panicking and you're just like flipping through that and you have no idea where it's at. And you, you're not even looking for it. You're just flipping through the pages and you're just panicking and like, you can just sense it. Right. So like Peter Ducci, the conservative guy, he's like asking the cost of gasoline is going to be such that the average American will spend $5,000 this year. Whereas mm -hmm. last year or two years ago, they would have spent a hundred or a thousand or something like whatever. It was a fraction of what they're going to spend this year. Where are they going to get I saw this clip. I remember right? this clip. Keep going. Yes. And she, the answer doesn't really matter that she, she didn't say anything. She just kept repeating this. Uh, oh, he's no, the, the question he said, how was raising corporate taxes going to bring inflation down because of these, where are these people going to get this money? How is this taxing corporations going to mm -hmm. put money in these people's pockets? How's it going to bring inflation down? And she just kept rumbling and mumbling about having to pay their fair share, not addressing the inflation question whatsoever. And then the day after another video came out and it was a very similar type question. I may have mixed the two from the days into the first day there, but again, same thing, cannot answer or address a single question, can't mm -hmm. hold her composure. And it was just so bad that all like it, it it was surreal but you know it wasn't it wasn't surreal just in that situation like in the whole context of this entire administration but not just this administration it extends far beyond 
a single presidential administration. Sure. It started with Trump. Things are crazy around the world. The incompetence is, I guess I shouldn't say that I'm surprised, but you, you grow up, everybody grows up and they kind of have this expectation of meritocracy, power, having a certain amount of sophistication and savvy. And then you've got what we've got now and it's just so blatantly corrupt and inept and incompetent, unprepared, callous. They do not care about these prices ravaging us. They don't care about the people not in their, you know, insular bubble. They do not give a shit. And they, it shows Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States. She's unprepared for every question, even the speeches she gives. She's just repeating the same lines over and over and it's incoherent. It's like two Furbies. It's like they put a Furby on these, on these pedestals and they're just letting them answer questions. And it's, you saw the way that they handled Afghanistan and it was, there's no way that they could be so inept. There's no way that they'd be so unprepared and just so callous and not care. And it just keeps happening over and over. And I kept thinking we're living in a satire, a political satire of our own creation to tie it back to Fox news, right? Like they're not putting something that is attracting, right? They are chasing an audience, the presidency or the, the, the white house, the Joe Biden and the people who run it, they, they're acting and doing what they think we want them to do. That's how, that's how democratic governments are supposed to work anyway, right? Like they, they're doing what they think the people want. They think that the most important thing to us as in, inflation is raging and there's a war in Europe as is everything is crumbling. They think that the most important thing to us is hey, today's the day that we're going to switch press secretaries and it's going to be the first woman of color. Is it good that a, a woman of color is the press secretary? Sure. If she earned it, this woman obviously did not earn it. It was obviously just put in front of us to, because that's what they think we want. They, whatever our minds, whatever their supporters are telling them, whether it's explicitly or through whatever data they've got, they're performing for us. We are, we are, we are living in a simulation right now. That's the question, right? Are we in a simulation? We are, but we control it. We just don't know it. Everything that you experience from your point of view, your brain is simulating. You can't really trust what you're seeing. It's just the way your brain interprets the reflection of light in the universe. The, the way the vibrate, way things vibrate in the, environment around you is what you hear and our brains have adapted to find signal in the noise and to find order in the chaos but it's all simulation and now through social media and technology well, and the internet understanding yada, 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 experience is simulation for sure right right and yeah. now through this technology we're all interconnected there's some sort of collective consciousness that's running the simulation and it's we're creating this absurd satire and it the problem is that it's a tragedy that's unfolding there's real victims if you're in sri lanka and you're starving because there's no fertilizer and the crop yields failed or where else that's going to happen it's tragic but the people that are they're somehow subconsciously as a society willing this order Maybe maybe we're maybe this is how we are collectively trying to bring it to the bring it to the ground and have the fourth turning like you know Brandon Quidam is always talking about. Maybe this is how we're doing it. We're making it so we know that the only way like instead of saying hey this is what I want let's fight let's have a war it's like how about we together just make everything that's currently 
an institution or a power structure? How about we just collectively make it so absurd and so undeniably corrupt and inept and just foolishly goofy? Like George W. Bush yesterday, he's trying to uh, <laughs> trying to condemn a single man invading all this all this crazy stuff in Ukraine, but he says Iraq, and then and he he realizes he said he was a Freudian slip, right? And he doesn't just like move right into Ukraine. He goes Iraq too, and then he goes back. And he says that, and he goes right into the Ukraine. Iraq too. He goes. He's like, well, Iraq too, and he like laughs, and he goes, but Ukraine, and it's like, it was like the, it was like this shit breaking of kayfabe. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like, yeah, it was. You just saw. He knows that. He knows he's a hypocrite. He's standing up there, condemning a unilateral attack and invasion into a country that was not threatening. Uh, he's condemning that as like one of the worst things ever at this giant at his institute, right? And then he. He can't even get through that speech that was written for him without telling the truth. Outing himself, That's what's right? happening, yeah. right? Everybody, we're, we're getting to the point where everybody is feeling the guilt for their part in this bullshit. And they're, they're against their better judgment. They're breaking and they're telling the truth. And it's all coming apart. We're, we're somehow, I, I swear, I, I, I truly believe that we are all collectively creating some sort of just absolutely absurd reality that we're living in right now. And I don't know how anybody can deny it. Like, how can you look at anything that's going on right now and not just realize how absurd this is? Do you think we're going Maybe to- Maybe I've the, just been too into many mushrooms. Do you think we're going to the road sort of deal? What do you mean by that? Are you talking about the Kerouac? No, no, the road- the road by um, Jack Kerouac. No, not not on the road. The road. Oh, by McCorm uh, not McCormick. What's the fucking name? Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. That's it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, uh, are you, the, one of the only books I've ever read. By the way. I, oh really? Yeah. Uh, no, I, actually, it's one of the only books I haven't read. So it's actually a pretty good book. Fill me in on the synopsis there. Well, it's mainly it's a, a father and a son on the road of survival and everything is oh, a, yeah. a, a the the skies are ashes your neighbor oh, no yeah, one is so your neighbor you? and there is no trust you know it's no no i don't no trust i well i don't want to say no definitively that i think that we're going towards that this is obviously but, a societal fear that's why this right this came I out now but i i think uh i think that there's parts of the world that will be as good as or not as good as but as bad as any you know realistic apocalyptic scenario you can come up with i mean if you live in certain parts of ukraine right now if you live in maripool or however they pronounce that like that's apocalypse to you if you lived in chernobyl or that area 30 years ago 40 years ago that's apocalypse to you if you are affected by some famine in africa that turns into some massive civil war that's i don't know if it's gonna i don't think it's gonna happen in my life but I don't want to say it's not because to me, a lot of people think a lot of people have like a, or the people who do have this doom and gloom kind of outlook, or maybe they're really bearish on the future, at least the immediate future. A lot of them think it'll be kind of okay here for us because we're insular. We're a rich nation. We've got lots of resources, a working economy, the, the global reserve currency, but I did, I don't know. If you live in downtown Seattle or downtown Los Angeles or downtown Philadelphia or any of these places that are becoming like the Hoovervilles and shanty towns of the Great Depression, 
I don't know. If wow. You, well know said. You, well said. Know, yeah. I don't know if you uh, are, are thinking that it's not so bad here. I think if you're living out of your car in San Francisco and you got, you're addicted to drugs and you have no hope for the future, I don't think that you think it's not so bad here. I think there's a lot of, I'm not going to use the word privileged, but that's how it would probably be described. And I would just say that there's a lot of people who are doing pretty well, who need a little bit more self-awareness because if you think it's not going to get that bad here and you're ignoring what you're seeing around you, you could get pulled into it somehow and you wouldn't see it coming. You can't just ignore this. I think it would be, I think some people I'm considering uh, selling my property and maybe kind of becoming more of a mobile nomadic, maybe go to Central America, South America, some places that has a brighter future, but I'm not convinced that the United States doesn't have a bright future. I just don't want to discount the fact that it, you know, if you lived in Kabul in August, yeah, the United States was leaving and the Taliban were really not a threat to you. But two, three days later, you were holding on to the wheel well of a C-17 as it was taking off on the outside and just trying to hold on because that attempt to ensure death to fly out of Afghanistan was better than what was coming, at least for you. And they didn't, nobody expected it, that it could even happen a couple of days before that. So who knows? That is a good, good example. And, but the problem is, I think that with this simulation stuff, that most of the problem, most of the problems in society as we see them are sometimes, I mean, oftentimes are real, but a lot of stuff is you're projecting out. You're, you're, you're kind of placing what is going on in your life that's negative, and you're kind of projecting that onto somebody else or to, on society as a whole. And you're kind of punishing yourself thinking that you're thinking that you're the victim of society, but really you're the one punishing yourself. You're the one putting yourself in that box and saying, I'm a victim. There's nothing I can do about this. I can't have a better life. It's their fault, but you're, it's you, you're the one doing the oppressing, not the other people. And if you're the person who looks at, you know, maybe you're a rich, like, you know, uh, those, dirty dancing dads, right? Like the super conservative kids won't dance, right? Like they think everybody else is the problem. Like this, they got to suppress their sexual urges. They're urged to have fun. They're urged to have, but really what are they doing? They're just like, they don't believe that they deserve to cut, cut back and relax. They, they think they've got this duty to work hard and to like be austere and to, uh, to be pious. And like, that's the way a good life should be lived. And they're jealous. They, they see these people having fun and living more expressive lives and, being who they really truly are inside, or at least expressing that much more so than they are. And they're jealous of that. And they think they shouldn't be able to do that. They should pious and work hard like I am because society needs me, but they could do any of, they could still work hard. They could still have the life that they think is important and still do what is pleasurable or not pleasurable, but just express themselves, be who they are. But the only person holding them back is themselves. And they, but they think it's the others who are, who are, who are doing it. So I think when you're in the simulation, right? Like that's what people are doing. They're, they say that they don't want to harm these minorities or they say they don't want to harm the poor, but they're doing it, but they think everybody else is doing it. They don't think that it's themselves kind of pushing this thing along. So nobody feels bad. So like all this terrible stuff's happening 
and nobody feels responsible for it. We've, everybody's abstracted everything so much through government, through institutions, that nobody can really ever have to accept the blame for anything in society. Sure, you have to accept, people won't even accept the blame for what happens when their families collapse. Like, of course, they're not going to accept the blame for society, but that's what we've created. There's no personal responsibility. Nobody wants to be responsible for anything because everybody thinks it's somebody else's fault. And I think that's the dangerous thing to have in a simulation, quote unquote, where we're somehow collectively pushing this thing along, but not feeling guilty about the people that are getting steamrolled when they are getting steamrolled. And maybe there's, I don't know how to fix that. I'm not smart enough for that, but. Well, maybe I think what you're doing in life is trying to fix it. Right. You're doing your part. Well, I think Bitcoin helps. I don't want to say Bitcoin fixes this. I think that's wrong. I think here's why I think here's why. Okay. I'll say because for, for me, I would, I feel like I'd get closer and closer to those, to people without, without Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I become a productive part of society. Yeah. Because I own it. Anyway, sorry. No, yeah, no, that that, exactly. So my point was going to be that here's a good example. So in El Salvador, in El Zante, where we were a few months ago, where we met, yeah, uh, there was 32 central bankers from, I think, mostly Africa, but there might have been a few other countries not in Africa. Um, they were in El Zante. They were right outside the Hope House. They were all using the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, and they were buying stuff at the um, that you know that restaurant down the street. Central bankers um, from where, by the way? Olas. Okay. All over. I mean, there's 32 of them from all over Africa, and I think there was some others, not African, but mostly Africa, mm-hmm. central bankers. They were coming there to, they were there for this week to learn about Bitcoin, to be educated on how to use it, how to integrate it into their mm-hmm. countries. It's a big deal. Not a lot of people are talking about it, at least outside of the Bitcoin community, um, which is great in a way, but there's a lot of people celebrating it who otherwise hate bankers. They hate central bankers. And it's like, well, why are you celebrating them? Cause they're on your side, right? Like, are they not still somewhat immoral to you just because now they've decided that maybe Bitcoin can make them rich or they're going to try to control Bitcoin, you know, so maybe, but I'm still celebrating it because if they bring this to Africa or their home countries, wherever they're at, they're going to try to control it and they're going to build an oppressive system because that's what governments do. That's what central planners do. I'm not celebrating that. What I'm celebrating is that when it gets to those places, it's going to expose Bitcoin to people who it might not have exposed it to before that. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be some who choose to use Bitcoin the way that I don't want to say the right way, but the way that it is, it enables them to have freedom to, um, to be uncensored, to, to live the life that they want to live. And so Bitcoin doesn't fix things to me, but Bitcoin does is it brings back or makes it more feasible to have free choice again. You, you can stay in the system. You can use Bitcoin. On, on, you can leave your keys on the Coinbase. You can make sure your Bitcoin is, the IRS knows exactly where all your addresses are at all times. And they can get your, you know, they, they can audit your Bitcoin whenever they need to. You can do it that way. Um, that's not freedom. But some people would rather do it that way. They would rather not go the freedom route, if, if, if you want to call it the freedom route, right? The self-sovereignty route. They, mm-hmm. they prefer to do it that way. You call, I call depression, that's easier for them. But the people who want 
the self-sovereignty. It's available to them. They mm-hmm. don't have to use that system. They can opt out. And it's not going to fix everything, but it will give everyone at least an option that's not what they consider tyranny. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. It's a, it, it restores or helps restore free, free choice or you know, freedom of choice, free will. You now have an avenue to exercise free will. Before it was do what the state says or starve. Now it's, I don't want to do what the state says, but now I don't have to starve. So now I have free will again. Or maybe we're closer to it than we were before. How do you, you know, what just struck me is how do you exchange Bitcoin in that world that you're describing? You exchange Bitcoin now. Yeah, but what do you exchange it for when people are starving around you? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Not everybody that's going to have it's going to be starving. I don't know what we've been talking about a lot. Um, but it maybe it, it's it, you get out of that situation. Mm. You go somewhere where there's food. Mm. You go somewhere there where it's stable. You mm. go somewhere where there's mm-hmm. not a famine. Because you don't have to sit in line at the bank. The government can't deny you access to your bank. You, you don't have a bank. It doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. got Bitcoin. You can go, go anywhere. You can exchange food for Bitcoin in El Salvador. So if that's if it's either not have food and or find some food and live, and all you got is Bitcoin, well, El Salvador, you can find some food and live. You can go there. And not everybody can do that, but mm-hmm. that's like I said before, we're coming back to terms with scarcity. Not everybody's gonna get enough energy food whatever unfortunately but we can help spread the word right of bitcoin and whoever want whoever chooses to opt in hopefully they've got a better chance because of it mm-hmm. there's no guarantees of anything there's no guarantees of anything being fixed it just but i have you know, more, i have a belief you know i have more of a belief now than i ever did in how do you do of course and I'm not like, I feel like I have a shield going into the future. Exactly. And that's what Jan said. Mm-hmm. When you're, when the Ukraine Russia war kicked off and everybody started censoring and uh, cutting off Russia, he says when the governments around the world uh, weaponize their, um, the money system against you, use Bitcoin as your shield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a verbatim, but it was close enough. Mm-hmm. I got the idea of it. <laughs> do you want to uh, continue? I can do 15 more minutes. All right. I don't have, uh, I have one cut other that, thing. Do you cut that part out or do you leave it? I out? never do. Well, then you don't listen if you don't know that I do. I, I skim through it. Everyone. <laughs> I don't listen to him all the way through because I can't listen to myself talk. Uh, that's, this is why I love not talking is I don't have to hear myself say every stupid little thing that. It's I like know. if I just like sort of come in, come in every once in a while, and someone goes, "Oh, Mike, he's so high." Whatever. <laughs> Let's listen to these other guys. So it's good. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't remember what we were just speaking about. Cool. <laughs> no, it just, it, we're just we were just saying Bitcoin was a shield. Let's. We got to hit one of your topics that you actually wrote down. We got 15 minutes. We got to hit something we plan to do. We never do that. There's so many topics I've wanted to talk about in the past. 
I probably touch upon them, but not very heavily. There's one that, that keeps on, that I keep on sort of landing on. I have this obsession with memory. I okay, think I like, I like where this is going. I have, I have this obsession with memory and the thoughts about memory. I love movies that go into memories. One of my so favorite you, films so is, this old, has to... by the way, Old Boy, wonderful film. Oh, I was, uh, I thought you were going to be, no, you're, that's great. I thought you were going to say something super, super um, cliche, like uh, the one with Jim Carrey and. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that film too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Eternal it's, yeah. Sunshine of the Swans. Yes, right, of yes. course. No, I do too, but it was, it would have been a cliche to say. Yeah, yeah. You said Old Boy. So you said old it. Boy is much more my, it's like, yeah. I mean, I love both of those films very much my flavor. So. Yeah. It's all, you know, all about going into memories, things like this, finding out one's past. You know, I take notes voraciously. I, I have files and files of things. I, I mean, I look like our pack. I look like the, I look like a fucking um, hoarder 2.0. That's what I look like. And it's all notes. Yeah, it's all, it's like I have hard drives of this, of just ideas. and Of your, like, your mind streams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I wish yeah. I, I wish I kept that stuff. Well, it's becomes important. It'd be hard for me to read that. More and more, I can't go back and read it. There's oh, too okay. much. Yeah, yeah. It's too much. I, I'm no, I mean, it would make me cringe. It's basically like shitting something and then like keeping the shit. <laughs> you know, I'm like, surprised you. I'm surprised you weren't more active on Twitter than before, like a few months ago. I have gone through a few accounts in, in my time. Okay. 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 Uh, and uh, Brecky convinced me to do a Bitcoin only account, so. It's okay. Okay. There it is. That and I'm, sense. and since I've started that, I've become Bitcoin. Only. So, um, shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just, I become so obsessed. Obsessed yeah, obsessed with memory. And so this, what, this, what, what obviously, on, honestly, where I tackle Bitcoin constantly is just this, when I was talking to you earlier about it being a capture monster and the ability yes. to go back at any point in history, basically you create history. A history that everyone can agree on. Yeah. It's sort of a memory that can't be changed. Interesting concept. I mean, there's just so much. It makes me wonder, right? Like, in order to, to reorganize the blockchain, you need enough energy. You need like a sh just a lot of fucking energy. It's like, what is that? Can you change? Can you change history if you have enough energy? If you like harness like fusion power or fission power, excuse me, like, could we change history? And I don't know what that means, but like, I, could you, could you use enough energy to like change some fabric of the universe that would somehow change history? And no, I, I mean, that, that's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking yeah, yeah. you, but like, that's, yeah. that, 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 I would say, <laughs> I would say the answer is whatever the answer is, yes or no. I don't fucking, I'm too stupid for it, but <laughs> there might be an answer to that. And I just think about stuff like that. And I also think about like, when you're talking about memories, right? Like I, I think about like deja vus and memories and it's like, if you are thinking right now about your future self, remembering this conversation, that's like, that's weird because that is, you're, I remember times in the past where I'm like, I'm going to remember this and I'm going to remember saying, I'm going to remember this. Right. And yeah. I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's, I lose that stuff a lot. So your, memories, your, memory, so your memories are you looking at yourself in the past, like checking in on yourself at a different point in time. Mm -hmm. Right. So like not, whatever time is, it's not what we think it is. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know what you think it is, but it's not what I think it is. And 
And I think that we're accessing different points in time through memories, through things, things like memories and deja vus and, and other things like that. Like we're capturing it on a, when you take a picture, you're capturing a moment in time and you go back and relive that. When you look at that picture, you can re- sometimes even get a, your brain remembers the smell of her hair or the beach, right? Like that's, that's not nothing. There's something, to, there's something there. There's something, when I say time traveling, it's, I use that very, very uh, broadly. Like it could mean anything to you, but yeah, that's how I, time is a, a weird thing that I think that we're not, I think we're closer to accessing something. I think when we think of time traveling, it's always like, uh, getting in a, in a, in a ship you, and like, yeah, you physically, your physical self is experiencing if you time travel at all, you break the time continuum. It like immediately right. doesn't work. So, right. So think like the blockchain, right? Like everything on the blockchain is connected. So like the Genesis block, there's a, there's a little connection all the way to the, whatever block just got confirmed recently. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you can trace it back. So the universe, I mean, at the end of the day, what I just said about the connection, right? Like that's all just math. It's all physics or whatever you want to call it. So that's what the universe is. So there's something that is tied or associated with us, whatever we are in time that goes that you could, it's like a rope when you like, or a scuba diver, right? And they go down you follow the rope back up to the ship. There's something like that that goes back to the big bang. And if we have enough energy, we can't like, I don't mean we, I don't mean we could have enough energy that we could go like in a fucking ship and like soar back to 1925 or something or go back and kill baby Hitler. Like I'm talking about, we can use energy to follow that trail back in history and change the, the physical, the, you know, the physical fabric of that point in time. Mm-hmm. And that affects time mm-hmm. or would that affect time? If you were to go back and reorg the first, you know, few transactions on the blockchain, right? Like we wouldn't, it wouldn't feel any different to us, but it would change everything today, right? Mm -hmm. If you changed the blockchain from 19 or from 2010, Mm -hmm. it would change everything today. It Mm -hmm. would make Bitcoin less valuable. By one character, by the way. It it, it would, it could crash the whole thing. It could make Bitcoin worthless if somebody was able to reorg the first beginning Mm -hmm. of the blockchain, right? So if it's changing something in 2010 and it's a, it affected us today. So you you created a change in time that affected us today. Mm-hmm. If you change the blockchain, so if you do have enough energy and you go back and you rewrite transactions or you double spend from back then, mm-hmm. it has a ripple effect all the way up to present day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a kind of time travel. Mm-hmm. I. I I don't know how, I don't know. Maybe we need just to get the a way to, not here to tell me I'm retarded. Yeah. But like I, that's a time. That's a, it's the way one would experience that time travel is you took that tether back to a specific point in time. And you, you can be damn sure that it was a specific point in time. Mm-hmm. You can't be sure of anything else being a, a reference point in time. <laughs> it's you can be sure of that. And you can be sure if you change it, if you reorg it, that's going to be a negative consequence in the future. And if you do it, that's probably what happens you i don't know that's where i'm with that right now <laughs> uh it's just the idea of it if you change it by one character it makes it worthless it's amazing yeah right it's like butterfly I, effect I, yeah no, that's I, not I, what the butterfly effect is but it kind of kind of is 
its value is in that it does not change. So if you went back and I don't know, people want to go back to ancient Rome, right? Yeah. I don't know how you would change ancient Rome, right? But you could, if you were able to generate enough energy to go back and like change the, the geography of earth in that area, that's the physical part of it. You can't change. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I got a little too far off of the boat in that one. That's fine, man. Let's cut it. All right. All right. Good talking to you. Hold on one second. I'll just cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. And we'll see you in the next one. Yeah.